food or the fish, salmon imported from Europe. So people are trying to understand where the origin uh, of this uh, new virus come from. And yeah, and thank you very much. Sadly, we've run out of time, but great to hear that update from uh, from Beijing. That's Yan'an Wu, who's the chairman of Zhenrong Bao. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Final look at the markets for this morning. U.S. stock index futures are slipping on fears over a second wave of COVID-19 infections in the U.S. as well. Uh, the S&P 500 futures are down about one and a third percent at the moment. Uh, Asian equities are also lower, rebounded a little bit off their lows so far. The ASX 200 in Australia uh, down about a third of a percent. The Nikkei 225 in Japan is off 0.2 percent. Looks like in Hong Kong, the Hang Seng is going to open about one percent lower. Futures markets indicating this at the moment and open at about 24,030, just above the 24,000 level in an hour's time. In the commodities markets, gold is moving higher. It's trading at $1,734 an ounce. And Brent crude oil is slipping lower. Uh, that's trading right now at $38.08 a barrel. And in the currency markets, uh, the US dollar a little bit weaker against the Japanese yen at 107 and a quarter. And sterling also slipping as well this morning at $1.25.1. Thank you very much for listening this morning. Do please stay tuned for Back Chat with Hugh Chiverton and Mike Rouse. The special guest this morning is Executive Councillor Ronnie Tong. The weather forecast for today, mainly cloudy with a few showers, hot with sunny intervals during the day and a maximum temperature of about 32 degrees. There will still be showers tomorrow. The weather will improve in the middle and latter parts of this week. It's 28 degrees right now and it's 82% relative humidity. Coming up to 8.32, here's Samantha Butler with the Half Hour News. The Breastfeeding Mothers Association says the government should make employers provide break times for nursing mothers to express milk. The group welcomed the passage of an amendment to the sex discrimination ordinance in LegCo last week, making it illegal to discriminate against breastfeeding mothers. The association's chairwoman, J.C. Chan, said with increased public awareness of the issue, they were already receiving fewer complaints from mothers. She says she hopes the legislation could go one step further. What can be done more is the government can make it mandatory, so put it into regulation, perhaps in the labour law. Any employees that returns back to work and that are breastfeeding need to be entitled to breastfeeding breaks that are paid. That would make it obvious to all the employers and mandatory for all the employers as well as employees to recognise that each breastfeeding mother does have their needs and it needs to be accommodated by the company. A leading member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force, Anthony Fauci, has warned with infection rates rising in many U.S. states, it could take up to a year for the country to return to a degree of normality. Dr. Fauci predicted it would be months before most travelers from abroad were allowed to enter the United States again. The governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, also urged caution. Don't disregard the facts. 22 states are seeing increases. And these are states that don't have some of our inherent issues. They don't have the density. They don't have the population. They don't have the crowding. And they're seeing increases. The British Prime Minister Boris Johnson has revealed plans to set up a government commission to examine all aspects of racial inequality in Britain. He said he'd made the decision following the large anti-racism demonstrations sparked by the death of George Floyd in the US city of Minneapolis three weeks ago. When thousands of people march peacefully for Black Lives Matter, I can't ignore 
the strength of their feeling. We have to look at discrimination in uh, the education system, uh, in health, in the uh, criminal justice system. We have to look at all ways in which it affects black and minority ethnic groups. And so we're going to have cross-governmental commission to look at what is going on. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chewerton and your co-host today is Mike Rouse. Mike, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. We're joined in the studio for the whole programme today by Executive Councillor Ronnie Tong. He's with us to listen to your comments and answer your questions on the national security legislation. And you can do that by commenting on our Facebook page and we'll read out your messages. Uh, that's Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Or you can email us, backchat at rthk.hk with your questions and comments. Or best of all, give us a call. The number is... Uh, ever 233 and then we can have uh, a real conversation looking forward to it so ronnie tong executive councillor with us for the next hour to talk about the uh, national security legislation uh uh ronnie thank you very much indeed for coming yeah good to see you we get the mic on yeah okay <laughs> we can we can hear you let's go should we let's go straight into the questions i think uh because uh we've already got uh, quite a few uh arriving so uh instead of us stumbling around uh let's see this okay here's uh from uh norman uh norman says i would like to ask ronnie tong two questions first uh after all acts of law breaking the brick throwing the arson the mayhem by rioters how can the new national security law ensure that justice is delivered in the absence of a fast track court to handle the backlog of cases we the majority of the public have been threatened held hostage prevented from going to work school against our will by people who have no right to do so in a free society uh, and uh, Norman says the British government is soon publishing a plan to double maximum sentences for assaulting emergency workers. Will the new national security law for Hong Kong ensure that Hong Kong judges will be required to follow strict sentencing guidelines for cases related to national security to prevent judges from deliberately handing out ridiculously lenient sentences and damaging the reputation of Hong Kong courts? Those questions come from Norman. Well, I think it's a pretty complex uh, question, but I think one need to understand that while the street violence over the last year uh, is probably one of the very strong reasons why Beijing wanted to introduce a national security law to Hong Kong, but that law is not going to be the only answer to the street violence that we've been seeing. Uh, I think, in fact, a lot of the, uh, you know, street crimes that uh, we have witnessed, including the throwing of bricks and, and petrol bombs, are national security issues. Uh, these are simply violence and nothing else. And, and uh, But I think as far as Beijing is, a con is concerned, they are, of course, concerned uh, about the violence, but they are more concerned about... Uh, the call for independence, the call for liberation of Hong Kong, people waving United States flags when they're saying all those things. So uh, it is not just about you know dealing with the violence in the streets. I think we, uh, the SAL government need to obviously do far more uh, to basically complete the picture and deal with the violence. And uh, luckily, with uh, or rather unluckily, a lot of people would say, with the pandemic going on, 
the violence level had uh, somewhat dipped. Uh, it's not quite as worrying as before, but it's still there. So, but Norman is saying he's hoping that the, the national security legislation will increase. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. That, but you're saying it won't be that. No, I don't think so. I, I think people need need to you know understand two things. I mean, national security is one thing. Street violence in Hong Kong is another, although the two very often overlap and probably running side by side. Uh, he talked about, uh, you know, the adequacy or efficiency of the judicial system. Fast track courts. I, I fully understand that. Um, in fact, uh, you know, soon after trouble started last year, I remember I was told by government people that uh, they had... Uh, you know, uh, several conversations with the Chief Justice. The answer was uh, that he would designate a few magistrates to deal with the cases as uh, soon as uh, the judiciary could. But there are two factors at play here. One is that uh, the police is not moving as quickly as, as we hope. Uh, I'm not blaming them. Uh, they are dealing with a lot of cases and they have to be very careful that they have a solid case before uh, the, those arrested could be brought to court. Uh, the, the second uh, factor at play is that uh, we, are, we are still facing a very grave shortage of, of judges, basically. In fact, we're facing short judges or courtrooms too. Uh, but judges is, uh, is a difficult issue. At all, at all levels? At all levels. In fact, uh, we were talking about needing a new Supreme Court building, uh, High Court building, uh, you know, instead the, of the old one, the, the ugly grey building you see in Queensway. Uh, it simply uh, has outlived its age, you know, for about a decade. But unfortunately, the, the, the site for the new courthouse, uh, just opposite Lechco, uh, is still lying, you know, vacant because of uh, planning, uh, uh, you know, issues and other, you know, a lot of objections there and there's a traffic issues and so, but I'm digressing. I, I'm just saying that but the court is trying very hard to deal with the cases. And I think, you know, Norman may be right. We, we may need a special and court. And guidelines, yeah. stronger sentencing and guidelines. And guidelines too. But I, I've been insisting that if we are to do that, we need to do it within our system. In other words, you know, I certainly don't hope to see that the new national security law would touch upon these issues. I think if, if the new law thinks that, uh, we need a a new special court to deal with these cases on a fast track basis. You know, uh, uh, leave that to the chief justice, and he he can deal with it within the system. But it's not up to the chief justice, is it? Sorry, it's not up to the chief justice if they're going to be special. Oh, oh it is. I, you know, he is totally uh, in charge of uh, the uh, you know the allocation of resources. Uh, appointing judges to deal specifically with a certain type of uh, uh, legal issues or litigation. We, we have m very many special courts, in fact, uh, you know, just to name a few. We have, for example, but inside the But dealing, it's not up to Hong Kong whether, we, whether there are special courts for national mm -hmm. security. It's not up to Hong Kong, is it? It's up to Beijing whether there are special courts for national to, to enforce national security. No, what I mean to say is that the new national security may say that they hope to see or they, 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 they demand that there should be a special court. What I'm saying is that that is one thing. 
uh, and we can deal with it within our system and we should try to deal with it within our system and, and not to get into a situation where there would be a court, uh, you know, another uh, legal, another judicial system being set up uh, side by side, running along with our own, which, you know, it, so, it's so going to be... A, the national law could say, set up a special court, but then it would still be up to the Hong Kong judiciary to set it up. Yes, I think that, that's what I think should happen. Uh, you know, if there is a se separate system of you know, dealing with legal issues in Hong Kong being set up, then I, I, I'm afraid it might be a huge uh, challenge to the one country, two systems. Okay, Some, um, uh, another comment. This is from uh, Matthew, uh, who says, uh, Dear Ronnie, I read your letter to Hong Kong yesterday, but it felt more like a letter to Beijing than one to Hong Kong people. For example, your opening rhetorical flourish asks, does the high degree of autonomy of Hong Kong include the right to cause harm to your own country by people in Hong Kong? This premise ignores the fact that we all know this law isn't really about protecting the country from harm, but rather to protect the CCP from any form of challenge or criticism. Have you seen the law yourself, Ronnie? If so, please tell us what's in it. If not, how can you credibly support it and implore others to do so? I can't recall if you directly apologise for your aggressive promotion of the misguided catastrophic extradition bill. However, the way you disappeared from view for a few months afterwards gave me the impression you had some sense of remorse. And aren't you now making exactly the same mistake once again, Ronnie? Do you understand that the burden of betraying Hong Kong people will weigh very heavily on yourself, your legacy, and also probably on also your descendants for generation to come? Uh, that's from Matthew. Well, uh, like very often, uh, I'm being misunderstood. Uh, I, you know, I can't say I, I don't mind that, but I, 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 you know, I appreciate that people with a different viewpoint uh, may uh, have misunderstood. Uh, you know what what I meant to say. What I'm saying is that I haven't seen the new law either. I'm hoping that the new law would not trespass too much onto, you know, the, 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 the realm of one country, two systems. That's all I'm saying. And I'm, I'm saying all this, not just for the benefit of people here, but I, I hope for the benefit of people uh, in Beijing that, uh, you know, people like myself and, and other lawyers uh, uh, have, you know, these worries. Right. What, what about this point that normally with a piece of legislation of this significance, we, the whole community would see it in draft? But that, that's not the mainland system. Well, it? we haven't seen it happen yet. Uh, you know, I, I know that uh, under the mainland system, they have a law called legislative law. That is a law governing how uh, laws are being made. Uh, and they have, uh, you know, different procedures, slightly different from ours, and different consultation process uh, from ours. Uh, so uh, they would be following... Uh, the guidelines set down in that law uh, and not the guidelines that uh, we follow here. Uh, but already I have seen a lot of discussions within Hong Kong uh, about uh, this uh, new uh, national security law and a lot of people are not afraid to speak up about their worries and, and, and uh, what they would like to see and what they don't like to see. And I think this is a healthy sign that, you know, the whole community is talking about it. We're talking about it this morning. Uh, and and uh, I'm sure uh, that this is part of the, uh, you know, consultative process that all legislation and not all legislative uh, uh, institutions uh, would like to see. 
Uh, okay. Uh, what about the statements made by the Secretary for Justice uh, over the uh, weekend that it is impracticable and unreasonable to expect that everything in a national security law be exactly as what a statute in the SAR common law jurisdiction would be like? Doesn't that contradict well, your reassurances? <laughs> Pretty much head uh, on, frankly. I, 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 I can't say I agree 100% with what she well, she's said. She's called you unreasonable and impractical. <laughs> but uh, like uh, most things, uh, some people are picking up bits and pieces from what she said and then magnifying the differences rather than trying to find the, the you know, uh, the common factors. Uh, just to give an example, uh, I was asked about it, I think, minutes after uh, the news came out, and the question that was put to us was, that, oh, the Secretary for Justice said that the uh, mainland national security law would not take into account uh, uh, any of the needs of the common law system. That is not what she said. Uh, when I when I read uh, what she said a, a little bit more carefully, she is saying you can't expect everything uh, uh, in the new national security law would follow the common law system. That's what she said. I think uh, we have to be careful about uh, what we want to see and what we don't want to see. Uh, we understand that uh, a legislation under the continental or the civil law uh, system sometimes is quite different from, you know, similar law under the common law system. The main difference is that uh, under the continental uh, judicial system, uh, legal system, uh, statutes are written more broadly, deal with uh, principles rather than technical uh, issues. Uh, all you need to do is, is to look at the national security law of the mainland put it side by side with our crimes ordinance. And you can see the difference between the two. Uh, while they all, they're both dealing with things like treason and subversion, uh, the mainland legislation is very, very broad. It doesn't contain uh, articulation of the, uh, the, the elements of the crime. But in our legislation, it, it contained very detailed examples of, uh, you know, what would constitute the crime of treason, for example. Now, this is what we're talking about. Uh, and if uh, the mainland is going to legislate a, a piece of legislation for Hong Kong, and that piece of legislation will be enforced immediately without going through the legislative process in Hong Kong, then the worry is, if the uh, uh, if this piece of legislation is as broad and as you know, you know only dealing with principles, the number one, how would people in Hong Kong know, you know, what is lawful and what is not lawful? And secondly, how would the judges know how to deal with it? That that surely is is a, a huge. So, point. what's your answer? <laughs> yeah. Reassure well, us. Well, my answer is that that in so far as dealing with crimes, you should try to adhere as closely to the common law system as possible for the simple reason that this is going to be enforced in a common law place. Now, I'm sure that point's not lost with the Secretary for Justice. Aren't you being unreasonable? No, no. She is talking about if you are asking that a mainland legislation will follow letter to, to the letter, uh, everything demanded under the common law system, that is unreasonable and unrealistic. That's what she said. But she also said in the same breath that she understood the point that in the, the, those provisions dealing with the, the setting up of a new crime 
uh, would have to be uh, you know, articulated uh, very carefully and very precise and in detail. I think she also said that. So I think what she meant was that uh, you can't expect that the whole legislation is to be framed in exactly the same way as a uh, a, 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 legislation, a piece of legislation. This is not very reassuring, law to be honest with you. Uh, it, you've you've spelled out the differences, and the differences are very pertinent and, and worrying, surely, because, as you say, the, these, these, these are exactly the points that Johannes Chan has agree. been making. I agree. The, but, but the, from, difference, the fundamental difference is in the, is in the drafting and the broad application of these principles in, in, uh, in uh, the kind of legislation which is in place on the mainland. Uh, and it's very worrying that that could broad scope... Uh, would be applied in Hong no. Kong, but you're not saying it won't be. Well, fact, uh, because, saying saying because from my discussions with uh, people close to Beijing, I understood that they uh, they are aware of the differences. Can it be settled by the subsequent Hong Kong legislation? Well, well this is the point. Uh, if a piece of legislation is being put under Annex 3, you can apply it through two different, entirely different alternatives. One is to apply immediately. The other is to apply it through a local legislation. Now, the national anthem law is an example of the latter, uh, but the garrison law is an example of the former. Uh, and, and, and I've been at pains to um, basically crying at the top of my voice every day that if you want to put a complex piece of legislation like a national security uh, legislation, uh, in Annex 3, and you want to enforce it immediately, then you have to make sure that the crimes are being defined, you know, in in in, in very detailed way, so that you know people know how to behave and judges know how to how to enforce it. That's what I, you I, are, I do you think are, the point is being like lost. With odds, really, Sorry? With, that sounds like you're at odds with the Secretary for Justice. But I, I'm well. I have yet to have a chance to speak to her. As a daylight between you, I uh, mean. But I'm sure that uh, she understands the point because, you know, as I say, people close to Beijing understood the point. Uh, why wouldn't she? She's the chief ju- you know, secretary for, for justice in Hong Kong. And, and presumably better informed than you are, frankly, as an ordinary executive. Oh, yes, she certainly. Knows, she has a better idea of what the, what's going on. Oh, yes, in the certainly. Certainly. Uh, but people have different ways of expressing her, her viewpoint. But a case uh, could come in front of a common law judge in Hong Kong which hasn't and he hasn't got that detail in front of him he, he must then apply common law principles oh yes there's no question about it I mean our trials would be a trial uh, being carried out under the common law system there's no doubt about that otherwise we're into that whole area of special separate courts with no foreign judges well, well, we're talking about two different things. I mean, you know, on the one hand, uh, you know, the procedure and, and the legal process is definitely common law system. The other thing is, you know, how the law is being written up. Uh, how the, how the law is now being written up by, uh, I think, lawyers, uh, you know, under working under a continental system. But when that law is being put into Annex 3, it becomes part of the law of, of Hong Kong and it would have to be enforced, you know, uh, uh, under our common law system. And, and that is why it, it is necessary to ensure that the piece of legislation, when it, deal, when it comes to deal with serious crimes, would need to deal with it in the way which a common law system judge knows how to you know, interpret it and how to enforce it. Okay. Uh, next question. This is from F of Saikong. 
Uh, has again two questions. Uh, F says, uh, Mr. Tong, you are an executive councillor of an empty shell government. How does it make you feel to be part of an institution that continuously overrides the wishes of the people as a matter of policy? How do you think you can operate with any real legitimacy when Carrie Lam has made no real attempt to build consensus? And the second question on the fringes of the shell government are Beijing loyalists such as CY Lung making menacing threats to HSBC about the national security law. Exco was silent on the comment. Why? The government is complicit. Do you stand by these comments or do you condemn them? Those questions from F of Saikong. Well, I, I disagree. Um, the SAR government uh, is a government set up under the one country, two systems. The one country, two systems is not an empty shell. We're living, uh, you know, the system. Uh, and uh, it, it has its, its good points and obviously it had his faults. But uh, you, the, you cannot. I mean, the point. The point would be that, as you know well, that that the legislation in two thousand and three, you know better than anyone, was was abandoned after uh, mass demonstrations and obvious public, widespread public discontent. The same applies, of course, to the fugitive offenders ordinance uh, last year. After mass demonstrations, there was no public support. The fact there was a great deal of public disquiet, uh, and that led to abandoning the legislation. And yet here. In this case, we see even more sensitive legislation being pushed through with no consultation, completely bypassing the Legislative Council, so there is no consultation. I mean, this is the third time this is happening, and it seems like the error is being compounded this time. Well, I think, so, the, I think the similarities, if there are uh, 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 many, between 2003 and now should not be overly exaggerated. In 2003, uh, I, as somebody who opposed... Uh, the way in which the legislation was put through in LegCo, uh, thought, like many people, that there was no urgent need, there was no violence, there was no people, you know, calling for liberation of Hong Kong, waving and, the and United why States was it flag, abandoned? And, and, why and was calling this? for, let me just finish, and calling for, you know, the United States sending army to Hong Kong to, in quotes, protect Hong Kong people. So the situation in 2003 and now is, is vastly different, and so you can't really discuss it in in the same breath. The similarity mm. is that is that the public are very unhappy about this. Well, I'm not sure. I, I've seen uh, a lot of polls, and some polls indicate that more than half the people in Hong Kong are supportive of having such a, a piece of legislation. But the aspect which is the same in 2003 and 2019 is a terrible draft and an attempt to ram it through without proper consultation. Well, we have yet to see the legislation, uh, but right, the bill, no, the not, draft... This is the third one where we've we've solved the problem... So of, what was the second one? No, the, in, the fugitive one in 2009. Well, I, I disagree entirely. You know, that is not uh, a badly drafted uh, amendment. You need to... Un you, in in yeah, order uh, to understand the amendment, you need to read the statute... Right, and, the, and most the, people I've met it was, but have both, not read it. The but point it was not the, consultation on it. It was no, three, there was three weeks, and that's why well, it was because, because it was a simple amendment following the you know the resolution of the United Nations, which had been there for many decades. Ronnie, but it was abandoned because the Hong Kong people were very unhappy I agree. about I agree. it. I agree. You, you accept that? I agree and because of the violence, and, this, and that this is, that is the exact situation that we're seeing now, except even more so. Well, I mean that it's rather superficial, isn't it? I mean, are you saying that any time that uh, you know people in Hong Kong revolt in the streets and throw in petrol bombs, you should you know? Uh, 
uh, shy you away from making a, a sensible legislation. You should think twice. Of course, that's what's happened. That's what happened. Well, recently. that is also the reason why you act quickly because things that. Uh, you know, uh, rising to a crescendo well, of violence. Arguably, you're not even being allowed to think once because it's being handed to you <laughs> by, from from Beijing. Well, uh, I think the basic principles are there for all to see, and then you know we've been discussing it for a very long time. And, In a know, manner, furthermore, which is a bl very basic and blatant breach of the basic law, which says that national security legislation will be enacted by no. Hong Kong on its own. No, I think that is misread of Article 23. Article 23 says, uh, if you read, uh, particularly if you read the Chinese, which I think mean is more clear there, uh, that it is the duty of the SAR government to legislate under Article 23. But think about it. Just on think it, about it. Are you seriously... Yes, sorry, sorry, on its own. Yes, but see, are you seriously... But it's a duty. But, but, on its own. No, seriously, let me just finish. I, mean, I can't deal with it. You, you don't let me finish what I want to say. I mean, you know, you don't need to invite me to come here if you don't allow me to finish what I want to say. Now... Just think about it. Are you seriously saying that because of Article 23, and if Hong Kong doesn't do anything, then Hong Kong basically can uh, commit itself to any course of conduct which would cause harm to the nation, and the whole country cannot do anything about it? I mean, the, the, the mere you know, absurdity of that statement uh, is obvious to all. I mean, the, the legislation says you should. But the fact is, we couldn't, and and we probably won't in the in the, in the next uh, you know five to ten years. Are you saying, therefore, that the the whole country should face uh, the risk of harm to the entire country simply because that we fail to discharge our duty? They can't be right. No, I, well, right. Okay, so I and the other thing is, I mean, this is what I said in you know yesterday. We've got a break for the news, so do you want to? Finish your thought, or do you want to hold it? Well, over? I just want to say that yeah. the, you know the so-called autonomy doesn't include allowing people to commit crimes against the nation. Okay, let's break for the for the weather now. Uh, if you want to uh, join in, uh, please give us a call. Our telephone number is two three three eight eight two six six. You can talk directly uh, or uh, email or Facebook your comments. The weather mainly cloudy with a few showers today and hot with sunny intervals later. Twenty nine degrees now. Humidity is at eighty one percent. Three metre lengths of coloured tape to maintain suitable intervals between protesters. Political parties, climate change campaigners and groups such as Grannies Against the Far Right took part in events in several cities. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Bank Chats on a Monday morning with Mike Rouse and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're joined in the studio now by uh, Executive Councillor uh, Ronnie Tong, here to uh, set your mind at ease over questions over the uh, national security uh, legislation and to uh, listen to your comments, uh, whatever they may be. You can email uh, bankchat.rthk.hk. Long emails will get edited, though, uh, for length and may get mangled. So if you don't want to get mangled, give us a call, 233-88266, uh, or our Facebook page, and everyone can see your comments there that's bank chat and rthk radio three uh okay so uh here are some more emails this is from richard who says for uh why for ronnie why did carrie lamb allow the storming of ledgeco when it's now on record from a senior policeman that several hundred policemen were on standby to clear the ledgeco riot area from the outside which is operationally entirely feasible 
In the light of this admission, there can be no argument now. Inaction by the police was to avoid pitched battles inside, question mark. Was it a calculated move by the government to discredit the protesters or just incompetence of the police and the government? Was this part of a calculated long-game move to introduce the national security law? That comes from Richard. Well, I think, first of all, it's unfair to say that Carrie Lam allow people to storm into Lechko. Uh, as chief executive, uh, she is not uh, you know, on the front line and she has to defer to you know, the commanding officer at the front line uh, to deal with an operational issue. It is true that I think it, uh, that incident had turned out to be you know, very ugly and difficult to swallow by a lot of people. Uh, it was explained to us later that the police fear that, uh, you know, if they were to stop people from rushing in uh, through that glass uh, window, there may be a lot of uh, casualties, and uh, that is not what the police wanted to see. And therefore, they prefer to retreat and to uh, uh, um, deal with it uh, in, a, in a more uh, safe manner later on. Okay. That's the view they take. I mean, I can't quarrel with with that because it's after the event. Okay. And number is 233-88266. you want to put a question or comment uh, to executive account to Ronnie Tong and Hong Kong, that's the number to call. We'll put you on air. We've got Andy on the line now, I think. Andy, good oh, morning. Andy, good. Yeah, hi, yeah, good morning. Just put um, the headphones on. This is Hong. Right, I've got some general questions. Um, right, you've said that violence during the last 12 months led to and calls for independence and waving U.S. flags led to Beijing preparing national security legislation. But uh, obviously we all know that violence can be dealt with by loads of existing statutes in Hong Kong. Um, I've looked at the NPC resolution on national security for Hong Kong on the China Law Translate website in English. And it's, you know, it's extremely brief and vague. And it says... Um, prevent, stop and punish conduct or activities that seriously endanger national security, such as one, separatism, two, subversion of state power, three, terrorist activities, four, activities of foreign and overseas forces interfering in Hong Kong. I mean, and then also, if we look at the 2015 PRC national security law for the mainland, that's three pages long, 24 articles, also extremely broad so how are these what do the four terms relating to the hong kong bill mean in and what do they mean in practice you know will you be able to sing glory to hong kong without going to jail will you be able to criticize the chinese communist party president xi jinping the central people's government or even carrie lam and a few weeks ago the new constitutional affairs secretary said um, LegCo members had to support the government, right? So if you don't support the government, is that against the national security legislation? And obviously one okay. of the reasons why many people want to stand for LegCo is because they do not support the existing Carrie Lam government. So my general point is everything is so vague. You know, um, can, we, uh, can we wave foreign Hong Kong flags without going to jail for 10 years or 20 years? You know, I'm a foreigner. I'm British. If I ring up back chat now or write letters, am I breaking the law? Will I be sent to jail? All right, all right. Ronnie Tan? Yeah, I understand all that, uh, all those uh, 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 your, your concerns and uh, I understand your, your anxiety. 
but necessarily what has been passed in the National People's Congress is simply a resolution empowering the legislative arm to enact a law. Now, we have yet to see even the draft of that law, so uh, it is, I think, far too early to suppose that the one country's two systems would be... Uh, you know, destroyed by one piece of legislation. I think it is a gross, unfair exaggeration for anybody to say that. Um, I think what we need to do is to uh, have a little bit more patience and stop believing everything you, you read in the newspaper or hear on radio or see on television, because I think there are a lot of people out there putting forward their point of view which, uh, you know, a lot of us may not uh, agree. And uh, this is simply the process of the community uh, discuss discussing the issues at hand and trying to put forward different points of view. But uh, I've been assured, and I think you have also uh, probably read the news, uh, that it has been repeatedly said by Beijing that there was no intention to change the one country, two systems, or to, uh, you know, erode the, the individual rights uh, enshrined and protected under the basic law. If they want to do that, they can, they can amend the basic law. They can amend the China's basic policies towards Hong Kong overnight. But they're not doing that. They are now simply saying that there should be a piece of legislation to pluck the legal loophole, as they say, because uh, amongst all the violence that we have seen over the last year, some of them uh, has infringed on the, 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 the area of national security and uh, the possibility, and I put no higher than that, the possibility of foreign interference or intervention is also a matter of great concern uh, to Beijing as a national issue. And we have no law to deal with those issues. So uh, at the beginning of this program, I've already said that, you know, the, the, the new national security law is not meant to be penicillin for all the, you know, violence that we have seen, you know, last year. Uh, it, it is simply targeting a specific area which concerns Beijing. Uh, the rest has got to be dealt with by uh, by us. OK, Andy? Right, OK. I mean, I, I hear what you say, but it still it, it doesn't convince me. I have a few more points. Um, you said yesterday on our... Choose, choose, choose one, Andy. Go on, choose your best one. All right. <laughs> right, you said yesterday that the SAR government has already said it would do its utmost to reflect sentiment of Hong Kong people to the NPCSC. But I think that's a complete joke. Carrie Lam said a couple of weeks ago... There was no need to report dissenting views to Beijing, as they already know them. And also, look, will the Hong Kong Bill of Rights and the ICCPR still apply in Hong Kong? Well, I think from, uh, you know, let me just put it this way. Ever since that I've, uh, you, you know, uh, get into politics, I, I, I come to learn that uh, Beijing has lots of, lots of people in Hong Kong collecting information. Uh, and they know, you know exactly what is happening without the need for anybody to make any uh, full report. Nevertheless, uh, I think the SAR government uh, would have uh, made various reports to Beijing throughout this entire period and probably still doing it right now, uh, telling Beijing what exactly is happening. But do you really think that Beijing doesn't know what is going on in Hong Kong? 
You yes, think I they do. you, yes, you I think do. they don't I read newspapers? The they don't watch television. Over the last well, years. if they if they don't read newspapers and and don't watch television, they wouldn't know that there is a national security issue in Hong Kong, would they? Right. That just proves what you've said. Proves that what's going on in Hong Kong now is not a threat to the whole country. Well, why why said, is it not? No, you said you just said Beijing wouldn't know about it unless they read the papers and watched the TV. Well, I'm asking rhetorically. I'm saying that they would. Oh, please, I mean, you know, give, you know, give, give, give some leeway to uh, what I'm saying on radio. I mean, I'm I not... can give you some leeway, but you, you also see what I mean as well. Well, I, I do. So there, but... isn't, there isn't a serious threat to overthrow I, I, I do, but you're not seeing China. the other side of the, the, the picture. Uh, you know, there is, there is no doubt about it. There is a risk. Right? I mean, have you seen people, you know, you know, raising play cards in, 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 in shopping malls, calling for United States Army to come and rescue us? Yes, did you, did you that, see that on television? Right, but that isn't serious. Doesn't that concern you? No. You know, to ask the uh, Marines to come, the U.S. Marines to come to Hong Kong? That, but it's not serious. Well, <laughs> you think it's not serious, but, you know, different people may have a different, you know, assessment of what is serious. I mean, you know, you, you, you are... You are you, you you say you're British, right? I mean, you you know you obviously know that you know we we need to be uh, more open uh, to different views. So you may assess it as not as risky, but a lot of people would say that it is an unnecessary risk that must be stopped. Okay, Andy, thanks thanks for mentioning right, for your thank call. Thank you very much. Thank you. Two three three eight eight two six six. If you uh, want to call, we've got a lot of emails. Uh, this is from Bowen, who says, uh, as of now, the biggest danger of the coming national security legislation appears to be twofold. First, as the drafting body, the MPCSC may use loose and even emotive wording and expect judges to apply them in accordance with the political imperatives of the day of the central government. If judges comply with that expectation, their judicial brain will have been re-engineered. If too many of them are recalcitrant, new ones with the right predisposition can be appointed, as Ronnie has already complained about the lack of judges. The second danger is even more obvious. The MPCSC can interpret words like subversion and separatism effectively in any way it wants, and the legislation will become a tool for silencing public opinions which diverge from the official line. In the end, national security can be defined as encompassing the government's ability to ensure that its policies are not challenged, even when they impinge only on domestic arrangements which have nothing to do with defence and security. Beijing's past practice of mandling the, mangling the accepted meaning of words like universal suffrage, sovereignty and civil law to achieve its political objectives demonstrate that there should be little doubt that it will, vectorly, it will eventually do the same with national security. That comes uh, from Bowen. Uh, thanks so much indeed for that. Uh, and... Uh, Henry says, uh, the police have over 2,000 staff in the security wing. Beijing loyalists say the Hong Kong police has no capacity to deal with national security and we need another unit to handle this. As a member of Exco, please tell taxpayers how we receive any value from police in the huge cost of the security wing if they are deemed useless by loyalists and not seem to help much in curbing street violence in 2019. Well, those are well. I mean, there is a, those there are is a, rhetoric, not not questions. There is a okay. The, the, <laughs> the question there is, uh, how do we receive value? The, the point would be that uh, there are two thousand staff already. No, there are three thousand. There are three thousand staff in the security wing. No, no, three thousand policemen. Okay. Well, this uh, this quotes two thousand staff in the security. I don't know where wing. he got that from. You know, I, I certainly haven't heard it. Okay. Uh, all right. Um, Drake says. 
quote, wouldn't trespass too much into the one country, two systems, unquote. Hmm, too optimistic. Secretary of Justice blogged yesterday that it's unrealistic and unreasonable to have the uh, national law fit into the context of the common law system. When that comes to pass, would Ronnie still welcome such trespassing? I bet anything that he would. What I believe is that the broadness of the continental law warrants that we would see the likeness of, of Liu Xiaobo and 709 Beijing lawyers here in Hong Kong uh, very soon. And uh, on uh, a similar similar uh, vein, Martin says, please ask Ronnie Tong, will you resign from Exco if the incoming national security law does not abide by Hong Kong's common law, given that you're a senior counsel and barrister under Hong Kong's jurisdiction? If not, then you, sh you should consider your position as a barrister in Hong Kong, surely. That's from Martin. Ronnie? Those are accusations. Those, those are not questions. Uh, well, if the national security... Oh, yeah, I, I don't want to repeat myself, and I don't want to be pushed in a corner where I become, you know, constantly a defender of Beijing. You know, that's not what, what I'm here for. But, uh, you know, I can see all these biased questions, which doesn't look at the, the, the real situation. And I can understand their concern and their worries. But, as I say, you know, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Let's just wait for the pudding to come to, you know, come out of the oven. Uh, okay, uh... Uh, LK says, in the PRC, there is effectively no difference between national security and party security. What happens to banks in Hong Kong that choose not to lend to CCP-linked companies or issue research reports critical of such companies? Or how about rating agencies that downgrade such companies? Will they be seen as a threat to national security? Or insurers that choose not to insure certain projects which have been deemed critical to national security? Do political relationships now count for more than creditworthiness or commercial viability? How about ordinary residents? who order books from overseas sellers on Amazon? Will reading certain books or movies be considered threats to national security? That comes from uh, LK. I, I mean, it's a fact, uh, Mr Tong, that... You, uh, you what is? That national, <laughs> that national security... I mean, uh, 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 Xi Jinping is, himself has talked about uh, 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 developing a concept of national security with Chinese characteristics. So there is a, there is an understanding of national security which is not shared by other places. It's a, it's an understanding of national security. We've had many of these national security education days, and if you look at the rhetoric from those national security days, you see that national security is encouraged to be understood as a matter of everyday life. So this would this would in involve personal psychology. It would include food, it would include all kinds of aspects of daily life. So national security on the mainland is a very, very broad concept. As I say, it, it impinges on everyday life, uh, it's, uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's specific to China. So that's what people are worried about in Hong Kong, that the understanding of national security uh, in the mainland is very different from what it is in the rest of the world. Well, yes, I, uh, true it is, but, uh, you know... I think I think it's very simple to understand the situation. Uh, Beijing has not simply introduced the national security law on the mainland and put it in Annex Three. They they could have done it, they didn't do it, right? Instead, they're saying that we should have a piece of legislation targeting four specific areas, uh, and. Uh, we'll put them into uh, Annex 3. So, so, and let's just so, wait so, for that. You know, so you punch uh, someone in the face, but you say, well, I didn't cut your head off, at least. I don't understand that, 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 that it's, analogy. It's a tailor-made law for Hong Kong. Can you, can you explain the analogy? I mean, you know, it, it, it doesn't help anybody to, 
you know, uh, take up an extreme position uh, and to say that, you know, this is the end of the world. This is not the end of the world, all right? Uh, as I say, there are many things uh, that uh, Beijing could do uh, which may result in, you know, the sort of situation that, uh, you know, this, some of the audience's messages uh, uh, are saying. They could have amended the basic law. They have taught, they could taught, you know, tear up the basic law. They could, they could throw the China's basic policy to Hong Kong into the basket. And they could put the national security law on the mainland into Annex 3. But they're not doing any of those things. Why do you think they're not doing any of those things? Why do you think that they would take the trouble to go through this painful exercise? I'm sure for them as well as for us. Why? Can you give me an answer? Why do you think that? Why do I think they're not doing it? Yeah, those, 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 why? Those why? Things? If they really are doing all those things, which I, I have you know, no idea the motives. But 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 the, the no, the we're not talking about motive. We're talking about political reality. If people are truly thinking that this piece of legislation would do all the things that you know these people out there, you know, in your emails. But it sounds like your defence your is well, it could be worse. Yeah, is that you what you're saying? You're you, literally saying it could be. Well, it could be worse. Yeah, you could say that, but I don't mean it in a negative way. I'm saying that that indicates that it is not the intention of Beijing to tear up the basic law and to throw the one country two systems into the into the ocean. Okay, uh, I mean, that's one we're looking at. Yeah. at least this, this is you a, agree, this, right? I don't know. I mean, but I mean the you know Jiang Xiaoming himself. Well, has I don't said, know what you mean. Okay, well Jiang Xiaoming himself has said that this is uh, this is a watershed. This is a historic step in the implementation of one country two systems. A major event of significance and a milestone. So something big has happened. It's, this is not just another law. Well, something big is happening. Yeah. You know, we've never seen a complex piece of legislation being put into an annex three. I agree. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the whole one country, two systems, would be torn into pieces. Okay, some, some more comment. All right. Drake says, come on, this program is for Hong Kong listeners, not the Beijing masters. Stop exaggerating the impact of street actions on national security, let alone bringing up some polls with over 50% of the population supporting the extradition bill. Gosh, how detached can Exco be? Uh... Uh, R says it's eminently clear that many Hong Kong people have a fear of the encroachment of the mainland legal system on the city. To suggest that the government should not abandon well-written legislation because people are protesting and throwing petrol bombs shows the arrogance of people in government. It is the government's job to acknowledge and work with the fear. To just say, trust me, or to go ahead anyway, is totally unreasonable and is what this government has done and why we are here today. That is from uh, R. Bob says, I agree with Ronnie and Hugh should let him speak. The more he speaks, the more foot he can put in his mouth. His reply that the national security law is needed because of the protests is totally irrelevant since one year ago we had no protests and Article 23 was being bulldozed through. Hong Kongers have no rights, nobody has the gut to admit this. Uh, Anthony says, how many MI6 special unit police were there in Hong Kong? before 1997. Uh, Andrew F. says, Great to hear Ronnie on the programme. I joined Path of Democracy this year after listening to Ronnie's letter to Hong Kong late last year and being relieved to hear someone who co-founded
founder of the Civic Party, whom I used to support, be brave enough to unequivocally condemn violence, something all of his former Civic Party colleagues are too cowardly to do. I think you and Mike are very fair, Hugh, so I hope you're going to hold Avery Ng or Nathan Law's feet to the fire next time they're on, as strongly as you've given Ronnie the BBC hard talk style treatment uh, this morning, <laughs> says Andrew F. This, this is nothing. Uh, <laughs> Kenny says, uh, if, as Ronnie Tong claims, Beijing really knew what Hong Kongers were thinking, they would never have allowed Carrie Lam to table last year's extradition bill, which kicks off, kicked off uh, all the protests. Uh, and... Uh, Let's go to this one. Drake, again, says the mentality of people who are mesmerised that plank cards could subvert a country uh, concerns me. Uh, placards, I think it means, yeah. Uh, such mentality in the Exco would push the people in the extreme, so please stop it. Uh, and one more comment. Uh, this is from uh, John, who says the issue of mainland security agents in Hong Kong uh, issues here festers. Why did the government never get to the bottom of the booksellers' case? It's commonly accepted mainland agents are at work here already illegal, and your works and your government still claims there is rule of law here. Please justify the government position on inaction on mainland agents here in place already. That comes from John. And I'm. This is an aspect I wanted to ask you about, Ronnie. The the one of the great unknowns here. Uh, what are these mainland units going to do in Hong Kong? And how does that fit in with the law enforcement agencies here? And are they going to be able to write to the Secretary for Justice saying, we found uh, an incident of national security concern, please prosecute these people? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, nobody knows because we haven't seen the draft yet. But uh, obviously, any institution being set up in Hong Kong would have to, you know, follow the law, like the liaison office is necessary to comply with whatever the law says. Uh, I can, I can guess, or I can uh, see that, uh, in so far as, uh, you know, the gathering of international intelligence, that is something which the Hong Kong police is not accustomed to being, to, to, to do. Uh, so that, uh, you, you know, the sharing of intelligence may be uh, necessary to enable uh, the police to enforce the law more effectively. But I'm, I'm, I'm just guessing. I, I don't know what institution there's going to be, but uh, the only thing I would say is that I certainly hope that whatever the institution is, that it must not, number one, uh, 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 infringe the... Uh, basic rights of people in Hong Kong under the one country, two systems, and number two, must comply with all the you know laws in Hong Kong. Right. Uh, well, that's reassuring, but it's our hope. It's our mutual Well, I don't hope, know why you're it? saying reassuring, because I'm not writing the law. <laughs> <laughs> if I am, I, I think but, you would be reassuring, but I'm not. Uh, all I'm saying is that this is why I, I would like to see. Can I also ask you this aspect of retrospectivity, which has suddenly come up? Common law system is not retrospective. You not write, just the common law system, even the civil law system. Right. But you have a law, people read the law, they know what it means, and they either obey it or they don't. And now we're talking, OK, there's a new law, and we can reach behind the publication. But you're of the saying as if you've seen the draft. Have no, you seen the draft? I have not seen anything. Then why are you saying all this? Because people are talking about retrospective. Well, people are talking about it, it doesn't Secretary mean that it's fact. Secretary of Justice is one of them. She has said that there are some aspects which, where retrospectivity does apply. 
Well, yes, uh, there are, there is an exception to Article 15 of the ICCPR, the International Covenant of Civil and Political Rights, which deals with uh, you know retro, uh, retrospective effect of criminal law. Article 15 says you can't have retrospective effect on all criminal laws, but Article 15, paragraph 2 says. There are exceptions, for example, uh, if you're talking about crimes, you know, uh, uh, under international law. Now, what that exception meant is dealing with crimes against uh, things like crimes against humanity, genocide, war crimes. It's that sort of crime. Now, those you must understand, reading from history, you, you know that those crimes does have retrospective effect. That's why people are being arrested and put to to death, uh, you know, put to, uh, you know, uh, well, put, on uh, trial, on, on trial, uh, and maybe even shot for that uh, after the event, after the war. But those are not uh, excuses for uh, uh, common criminal law to have retrospective effect. Can, can I ask, because we're just about at the end of the programme, uh, 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 this is a quick question from E, who says, in Ronnie's view, what are the red lines that the national security law should not cross in order to preserve Hong Kong's common law system and rule of law? Uh, and if those lines are crossed, would he resign from ed- Exco? What are the red lines? Would well, they be like well, I think retrospective? I've, I've said it you know, more than once that, uh, you know, the national security law, when put in Annex 3, would become part of the laws of Hong Kong. And as part of the laws of Hong Kong, it would have to be dealt with under the one country, two systems, under the common law system. And it doesn't, at the moment, there is no suggestion that this law would have superior effect or it would be dealt with separately outside the system. All right, so, so just go comments then to, to finish off. John says, let's face it, Hong Kong is China, simple or complex as this. Uh, and James uh, says... Ronnie Tong and the magic pudding. Sometimes the pudding is over-egged, sometimes it's raw in the middle, sometimes it's over-boiled and dry, sometimes it lacks flavour. One country, which pudding? That comes from James. <laughs> Make of that what you will. Peter M says, I believe that Ronnie Tong claimed to be seeking the middle ground, and some of us may have been hopeful about that at one time. However, he became firmly part of the establishment over the extradition bill saga. He never accepted the legitimate concerns of Hong Kong people, suggesting that the millions who went on plain, mainly peaceful marches in June 2019 were misinformed or being misled. Uh, when several judges, one by name, came out to say that the court could not play the role the administration said they could as a safeguard, instead of taking stock and considering what the, there might really be an issue, like several other pro-establishment figures, he criticised the judges for speaking out. In my view, Mr Tong has been contributing to the problem, and uh, not the solution of the unhappy state in which Hong Kong now finds itself. Uh, That comes uh, from uh, Peter M. Uh, And uh, Drake says they are tearing up the basic law piece by piece. When what happened to Wang Jiaqiang, the Beijing lawyer, and his family happened in Hong Kong, what can you do? You can do nothing. And the scenario is perfectly feasible in Hong Kong to Johannes Chan uh, and Eric Chung Tat Ming uh, at the uh, University of Hong Kong. Thank you very much in, uh, indeed for that. Some uh, comments as well on uh, Facebook, but we're out of time. You can uh, check out the Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3, and uh, read and respond to those uh, comments at your own leisure. In the meantime, Ronnie Chong, thank you very much indeed for joining us this morning, uh, Executive Councillor. Uh, Mike, thank you very much a indeed. Hi- a history-making show. As ever. Everyone I went out.
The weather forecast, mainly cloudy with a few showers. Hot with sunny periods during the day. And a maximum temperature today of uh, about 32 <coughs> degrees. Moderate southerly winds. And the outlook, there will still be showers tomorrow and the weather will improve in the middle and latter part of the week. 29 degrees at the moment with a relative humidity now of 79%. Hi, I'm Lazy Lion. To fight this pandemic, take preventive measures when commuting. Avoid rush hours and busy times and take advantage of flexible working hours. Wear a mask when taking a ride. If possible, open the windows to ventilate the vehicle. Clean your hands with liquid soap and water or alcohol-based hand rub after using public transport or touching public facilities. Social distancing can help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Tips for you and me to prevent COVID-19. 9.32, the news now with Samantha Butler. High-profile journalist Maria Ressa has been found guilty in a libel trial in the Philippines. The editor of the Rappler News website and human rights campaigners say she's been targeted because of her website's criticism of President Rodrigo Duterte. The Breastfeeding Mothers Association says the government should make employers provide break times for nursing mothers to express milk. The group welcomed the passage of an amendment to the sex discrimination ordinance in LegCo last week, making it illegal to discriminate against breastfeeding mothers. And a leading member of the White House Coronavirus Task Force, Anthony Fauci, has warned with infection rates rising in many U.S. states, it could take up to a year for the country to return to a degree of normality. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. It's time right now on Radio 3 to say good morning to Phil Whelan and his guests on The Morning Brew. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. And good morning to you, too. How are you doing? Excellent. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Fine, thank you. Thanks for inviting on your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. And welcome to Monday. Hope you had a great weekend. Good to be back with you. Well, here we are again until one o'clock this afternoon. Morning Brew with me, Phil Whelan. So we're going to begin as usual with Robbie McRobbie's rugby thing after that and New York correspondent Tracy Kwan will be back with books, life and undoubtedly some statues. After 11, another date from a man in Switzerland, Neil Runciman. You may remember Neil's a company executive based in Lucerne and he joined us a couple of times during the beginning and peak of COVID in that part of the world with news on how Switzerland was essentially caught with its later hosen down. Well, things change. Let's see what's happening now. Music fans, after 12.30, we're off to Berlin to chat with legendary producer Mark Reeder. He's currently working on a project with our Hong Kong musical friends, Deer, and among his many credits is having worked with the Pet Shop Boys, Joy Division, Mick Hockmull. I think they were in a band together when it all started. In 1991, he discovered a mentor, the then-teenage Paul Van Dyke. We'll have a chat, probably on Skype with video, at about 20 to 1.